Is this the dagger? Illegal substitution. Too many men on the field. Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block in the sideline. He has not stepped out. He may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores. Hey, it's the Outsiders, powered by the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City. This is Podcast 66. It's hard to believe. Joining us, as always, is Robin Brownlee, and our special guest today is the voice of the Edmonton Elks, Morley Scott from 630 Chad. How you doing, Morley? I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Excellent. Robin, how you doing? Outstanding, and 66 is my favorite number, it turns out. Well, excellent. We're going that route today, so that would be Route 66 for those who don't know what the hell I'm even talking about. Happy birthday to you, Robin. Yeah. Happy 66th birthday. Happy birthday. You don't look a day over 61. Hey, uh, guys, we got to jump right in on this. The CFL season, it's so nice to be able to talk about the fact that we are going to have a CFL season and we're about ready to go to training camp. It's hard to believe we went a year without, but we'll throw this to you, Morley, right off the top. It's been a long, long time since we've had CFL teams actually go to a training camp. Yeah, think about it. A month from today, uh, Winnipeg is going to host Hamilton in the first game of the 2021 season. That's the the Great Cup rematch from 2019, uh, November 2019. That was the last time we saw a CFL game. So, yeah, there's a lot of excitement going on. I mean, there was so much disappointment, so much devastation amongst the players, the fans, and everybody involved in the Canadian Football League with the cancellation of the 2020 season. But uh, they got it together and got everything in place, and uh, full credit to them for putting it together and having a 14 game schedule this year which will uh turn it into a more of a more of a sprint than a marathon as they always say uh but yeah i'm, I'm excited about it there's there's a lot of excitement around uh the fan base especially because i think canadian football league is something special amongst their hardcore fans and they've really missed it over the last year and a half you know it's it's a tough stretch morley you know this as well as anybody gate-driven league like the cfl right across the country uh, a lot of teams have taken hard hits. Um, getting fans back uh, in, into the buildings is going to be an important aspect of this. Is there going to? It's going to take some time to recover, is it not, for every team, even when we do get started. Well, absolutely. I mean, there was losses of, you know, most teams, they're, they're figuring between, you know, six to $10 million per team was lost last year. So uh, you don't recover from that quickly. That's for sure. And I think you got to get the fans back, but it's not just the fact that you were away for a year getting the fans back. It's the fact too, that people aren't really comfortable with going out in big groups right now. And I think that has to be part of it as well. Uh, sure. There are going to be people who say, yeah, I want to go to a CFL game. I'm really excited to go see the Elks and see their first first game and see their their new uniforms and, and see how they market themselves. But I don't want to go anywhere where there's 20,000 people right now. So I, I think there's some people in that boat. There's a lot of people who are just saying, I don't care. I'm going. I'm ready. Restrictions have been lifted. Let's get on with it. And I'm very interested to see what the crowds will be like as we go back to, to normal things. Uh, not 
just Elks games, but even even hockey games and, and all the other things that go on where there's a big group of people that are gathered together because it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how people approach it and 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 how they will uh, kind of position themselves if they'll be wearing masks if they'll still try to keep their distance which probably people should anyway uh, I mean it's not over it's just you know, we're just at the beginning of the end, I guess you could say, as far as the virus goes. So uh, it's it's going to be very interesting to see how, how fans are welcomed back to stadiums across the Canadian Football League. We are three and a half minutes into this already, and we have said Elks a million times. We have not said the other name. The old name of the football club. Oh, I just Brent, want... I've been practicing. I've been practicing. I'm scared to death that that first touchdown call is going to have the wrong name in it. So believe me, I've been working on it. Well, we have a little alarm. Every time somebody says the old name, we have a little. It's uh, just, you guys won't hear it, but it will just be a very sub- subliminal thing there. Every time we say the other E name, you'll hear that. We're... So. Yes. We've uh, we've talked about setting up a, a swear jar in both the uh, both booths uh, at uh, Commonwealth <laughs> Stadium. One in our booth, one in the visitors' radio booth, and we'll put one in the TSN booth as well. And every time you say the wrong name, you're gonna have to make a donation to Six Thirty Chad Santa's Anonymous into oh. that little swear jar. So we'll see how much we get by the end of the year, nice. uh, or not. Uh, media people are notorious for sitting on their hands when it comes to handing out money. So maybe this will help them prepare a little bit better and not use the old name and get used to the new name a little bit. Hey, Morley, I want I want to go back to the the uh, fan component here because to me it's really interesting. It stretches in your job what you've done uh, with the Elks. Uh, fans who want to go to the stadium and see games. But this thing has changed lives and in a lot of ways, the crowd thing. Now I never worried, ever worried about being in a crowd before. Hopefully with the August 5th and 7th for the elk start, there's enough vaccines out there that we're closer to properly immunized. But it's odd to talk about, gee, it seems weird to get together with other people, doesn't it? It is, isn't it? I mean, I've been to, since the restrictions were lifted and, and we were on vacation last week and I went to a couple of restaurants and just doing that was weird. I mean, I've been to restaurants more in the last week and a half than I've been in the last year and a half uh, to restaurants. And it's kind of a weird feeling. And I think it's going to be really surreal for people who who go out for the first time and are in crowds for the first time. And I think I'm a little different from a lot of other people because there's people out there who have been going to work every day through this thing and not not much has changed except for the restrictions and wearing a mask and 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 the physical distancing they still have been going out i've been working at home for almost you know 300 days worth of sports casts at home you know since march 17th i think of uh, 2020 was the first day i started working at home and i'm still going to be here probably into september before we move back into the studio so i've been kind of in my own little bubble through that. I've gone to the grocery store and that's about it. Uh, uh, Well, when was it? A month, six weeks ago or so when they made the name announcement, that was the first time I went out to an event in a long time. And it was, it was weird seeing people face to face and talking to people and, you know, resisting. I'm a handshake guy. Ditto. And, uh, and I resisted, resisted reaching my hand out and I didn't shake any hands. And it's just, it was just really weird. It was the first time I'd been out and it was great to do it. It was great to see people face to face. It was great to be on location and doing a live show with the uh, with the unveiling of the Elks. But I mean, it was it was weird going to restaurants for the first time was was kind of strange. Um, 
we were walking around in Banff and uh, the crowds downtown were pretty thick and, and that was kind of weird as well. So it's, it's a different world, man. And, and I, I know I'm maybe in a different spot than a lot of people who have, as I say, have been still going to work every day and leaving their house every day. I went three, four days. If I didn't have to get groceries, I didn't leave the house except to go for a walk with the dogs. That was about it. So it's, it's different. It's it's really weird, and and that's why I'm wondering what the reaction is going to be when they when they throw open the doors and start selling tickets, and how many people are you know. There's going to be a core group of people who are going to jump on it for ab- absolutely for sure. There's going to be a group of people who say, I don't care what the event is, I'm going, and they're going to be there. Yeah. And then there's going to be a bunch of people who are just going to go. I don't know if I'm ready yet, so we'll see. When did you see Dave Campbell last? Actually, be in the same room as Dave. Uh, at the event six weeks ago, okay. um, when, uh, when we, uh, when they had the unveiling of the new name, I've been on, on several zoom meetings with him and I've, I've done that with him. Uh, I've had, uh, we had a, a parking lot meet up a couple of times with some people and, uh, that was about it. So I, I probably between when I left the studio and came home to work, I've probably seen Dave face to face maybe three times, maybe four times. That's wow. it. So yeah. it's, it's, it's been weird. Yeah. It's been weird. Morley. One thing that strikes me and I'm sure every team is going to have to uh, roll things out as uh, things advance vaccination rates, health rules within the provinces where the teams operate. Um, maybe I'm looking for a silver lining here, but we've seen parts of Commonwealth uh, tarped for many years now. It seems to me that if you took away those tarps, I think you could probably get 30, 35,000 people in there reasonably spaced if you were using all the seats. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where uh, the Elks have an advantage if there was restrictions uh, over every other team in the Canadian Football League. Yeah, BC Lions, I guess, are in this position as well. They have so many seats available. I mean, Commonwealth seats close to 60, right? I mean, and a, and a really good crowd in the CFL is 35. So uh, an average crowd uh, for Edmonton is around 30. So that's that's basically half the stadium, 50%. So uh, I think if, if even if they were, you know, restrictions are obviously off, but even if they were at, say, 50%, everybody who wanted to go to an Elks game probably could because that is about what their target rate is for games, about 30,000 or so. Of course, it would be great to see that up. And, and I think there's a potential for that first game to be a lot higher than that if people are getting excited about it. But yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be in in places, you know, like Ottawa where there's a demand for tickets, but they've got a, a smaller stadium that seats under 30,000. Same thing with Hamilton. Uh, Toronto, insert joke here, I guess is what you say there, but they've yeah. got a small stadium as well. Um, so I, 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 I don't know. I think, I think uh, the Elks and the, and the BC Lions probably in the best position of all teams to fight restrictions. But by the time we get into into August and, and probably into September, uh, there'll be there won't be any restrictions in any province. I don't think by September. So that'll be uh, that'll be uh, something we'll have to wait and see how many fans decide that they want to come back and and sit outside and, and watch some good old Canadian football. Well, so many changes about anything else. So many changes over the last few months. Like, look at your hair, for example. You've got. You, you, I can't believe you're down to the my wood. Head, now that's not totally correct because my hair looks exactly <laughs> like it looked a year and a half ago when the pandemic hit. That's true. If we just kind of went to sleep there for a year and a half, we wouldn't know the difference. But you, uh, 
You really had the shaggy white look going there, did you not? Well, I I, I had the Doc Brown look going pretty well. Um, <laughs> I just I didn't get a haircut. I basically did not get a haircut during the pandemic, and it just grew. And I didn't I I I didn't think I was young enough that I could still grow hair. I had it was as one of my nephews aptly put it. Uh, I love the party in the back, but the business in the front is definitely lacking. Uh, so it was <laughs> it was not exactly a full mullet, but it was pretty good. Uh, it got down. It was over my collar. I could put it in a ponytail. If I wanted to, or a man bun, uh, uh, yeah, I, um, I or a man bun, and I uh, and I decided uh, I was just going to let it go. After I got to a point where I said, "I'm not shaving this off now. Why get a haircut now? I've, you know, it's not like anybody sees me, right?" So I kept it going for a while, and then uh, my nephew grew up with juvenile diabetes. And now uh, he's an adult, and his daughter has juvenile diabetes. And every year, uh, my nephew and his son uh, go for the juvenile diabetes walk, and they ended up uh, shaving their heads all the time. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to join Brian and Zach in shaving my head this year. So I ended up uh, raising some money. Our team raised money. uh, uh, Number one uh, team in uh, in Edmonton, just over nine thousand dollars was raised. I think we're in the top twenty teams across the country. We raised over nine thousand dollars for juvenile diabetes research, and uh, I got my head shaved. And just in time too, because uh, the day we walked was a scorcher about uh, three weeks or a month ago. And of course, we've had the big, massive, uh, uh, massive heat wave since then. And uh, I'm very happy to have short hair at this point. Morley, I, I got to tell you, during the uh, early uh, months of the pandemic, um, one of my favorite things to do to pass the days on social media was to see the T-shirt collection uh, being trotted out. Now, officially, without fudging the numbers at all, how many T-shirts did you manage to trot out in a row there? Because it was impressive. I did uh, 100 T-shirts. I stopped at 100. I think I have more that I could have used, but I stopped at 100 because I was starting to run out. I I think I only duplicated one, and that was the CFL's diversity T-shirt when uh, we had everything go horribly wrong in Minnesota Uh during the summer, and I brought that one out again. Uh, I ended up getting a little help on Fridays near the end from my grandson, Milo, who we we put, who was born in March of 2020, and so we had him in a T-shirt, one of his T-shirts, every Uh Friday for Milo Fridays, but I did, I got to 100, and I've added since then, I could have, I probably could have got to about 110 or 115 without adding any more. Uh, I've added since then, so I could probably still keep going. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Got some good feedback on it. Got some free t-shirts out of it too. Some people wanted to send me t-shirts to wear. So I said, yeah, sure. Send them away. Uh, 14 minutes in. I just got to make sure this is still working. Hang on. Yeah, it's still. We haven't said it yet. So uh, we're not making any cash off of this for you guys. At Santa's I told you, I'm practiced. I'm ready for it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's let's talk about the fact we went a year without football. A lot has happened. The Edmonton Eskimo. Oh. Okay, I got to throw that in. I didn't mean that intentionally. I just accidentally did that. Uh, the uh, so there's a new head coach who has has got a, a, an amazing record so far, Morley. Yeah, he is undefeated. <laughs> Uh, so is the last coach, though. Uh, yeah, there's that, too. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing. I, there's yes. the question I've asked about Scott Milanovic. Does he go down as the only undefeated coach in Edmonton football team history or the only winless coach in Edmonton football team history? Because Ooh. he did both. Yeah. He did both in in his year as coach in 2020. 
I think he I think he just goes down in italics with a little asterisk beside his name, probably. That's that's probably it. Uh, head coach for a year and never coached a game. Had a coaching staff put together, had lots of meetings, did lots of work, did about uh, 12 or so coaches shows with me, but uh, never did coached. not coach a game in his time. So what do we know about the new guy other than they had a pretty good track record in Ottawa working with those guys? This, is, this could be an exciting offensive season for the Edmonton Elks. Jamie Elizondo is a uh, is a real good story. I really love uh, I've loved getting to know him and talking to him a little bit. And if I could shamelessly plug my podcast, the ePod, I uh, spent uh, several minutes with him uh, in an earlier episode talking about his story and how he got from being born in Mexico, uh, graduating law school, and then taking a job for I think it was like eight thousand dollars as a head coach or as a as a coach. Uh, when he graduated from law school and taking the big job as a lawyer that was offered to him. Uh, it's a great story, uh, and he just loves the game, and he just loves being around people. He loves being a teacher. He loves being a coach, and I think he's going to do a tremendous job as, as a head coach. He's waited a long time, and and I'll, I'll tell one of the stories that he told because you'll recall he was uh, uh, in Ottawa as an assistant, and when uh, Chris Jones left Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan wanted to talk to him as uh, a head coaching candidate. The, the Red Blacks would not let him out of his contract to talk to him. So he decided, well, I don't want to stay in Ottawa, so he quit and went to the XFL. Uh, then uh, Scott Milanovic, uh, uh, no, sorry, then Jason Moss gets fired, and uh, the Edmonton Elks want to talk to him about their coaching position. And the XFL says, no, we won't let him out of his contract. So Jamie Elizondo's going like, what do I got to do to get a head coaching interview, let alone a job? Uh, so he waits for a year. The XFL folds. Uh, we know that story. And uh, then all of a sudden, Scott Milanovic resigns. And, and, and it's funny. Uh, he, he tells the story. He, was, uh, he woke up one morning really early. Uh, because he was in San Diego and his family was still back in Ottawa. So he woke up really early to phone the family before uh, before the day started and, and talked to them on FaceTime and everything. And he said, I just wasn't feeling very good. I was just thinking my time as a football coach was over. And um, he said, I, I, so I started to drive into work. And I, as I'm driving in, I phoned my sister looking for a pep talk. And he gave her him a pep talk. And he, she just talked about, he said, being ready. And he said, you never know when the phone's going to ring. So you still have to be ready. If you don't think it's coming, that's fine. But you got to be ready because you never know when the phone rings. So he gets to work that day. Guess what happened? The, the phone, phone rang. rang. Scott, Milanovic, Scott Milanovic called him and said, just letting you know, I just gave my uh, resignation letter to uh, Brock Sunderland. And the job's going to be open. So you might be getting a phone call later on that day. And he did indeed get a phone call from Brock Sunderland later on that day. And I think that was a Monday. And by Thursday, he had the job. And the next Monday, they announced him as the new head coach of the Edmonton football team. And uh, the rest is history. So a real good story, a real good guy. And he's certainly prepared for this. Uh, he's been uh, coaching for 20 plus years, and this is his first head coaching job. So uh, he's ready to roll. He's got a great relationship with Trevor Harris and a lot of players on offense. And uh, he's hired uh, a real good defensive coordinator in Noel Thorpe. And I think that uh, I think they put a, put together a pretty good coaching staff that uh, will kick into action this coming weekend. You know, Morley, that that story is is so intriguing. Uh, you know, the the uh, the lawyer part of it, and to have that passion. I mean, 
Uh, now he's doing what he really wants to do. I don't know how the pay stacks up necessarily compared to a lawyer. There used to be a guy in the Pacific Coast League who, who did the play-by-play uh, for Las Vegas. And uh, you know this as well as I do. That does not pay as well as being a lawyer in AAA baseball. And he did it for years and years, and then he finally did go back to law. But that part about Elizondo is intriguing. Um, with Harris in Ottawa, uh, that's got to save some steps uh, for the Elks coming into this season. The familiarity, both in personality and concept, uh, seems to me that's a big advantage for Edmonton. Absolutely. I mean, when, when you look back to, uh, I don't think Trevor Harris was, uh, was a fan of Jason Moss being fired. I think he wanted Moss to return. And at the time, the only guy you could replace Moss with, I think that would keep Trevor Harris happy, uh, would be Scott Milanovic, who he had a relationship with uh, in previous years in Toronto and even before that. And uh, then that didn't work out. And I think the next best guy for them to bring in to, to keep the quarterback happy was Jamie Elizondo. Now these moves weren't made to keep the quarterback happy. These moves were made and the quarterback's happy about it. And, and I, and I think that that relationship that they have is, is going to be a very good one moving forward. They they've established themselves. Uh, you know, they know each other really well and, and there's no feeling out process, which I think is terrific because it was, wasn't that long ago that they were uh, combining for big numbers in Ottawa uh, in what, 2016, 17 and 18, I believe were the years that they were, they were together in Ottawa and they put up huge numbers. They went to a couple of great cups. Um, Greg Ellingson was there as well. So Vincent Rogers on the offensive line, there was a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of that Ottawa feel that is, that is going to be on this team this year, moving forward, that has that familiarity with the head coach and his playbook. And the playbook is all, it, it's, it's kind of so many teams have run this playbook a little bit and it, it kind of stems uh, from Mark Tressman on down. I mean, it's a, Mark Tressman's offense is kind of taken by Jason Moss and kind of refined a little bit. And, and same thing with, with Jamie Elizondo, same thing with Chris uh, Jones as well. Those offenses that those head coaches like is all kind of the same with little differences here and there. And I think it'll make it a lot easier for those who, who not only played for Elizondo before, but played here before uh, to adapt to a new playbook because it'll be different, but not that different. A lot of the principles and a lot of the philosophies will still be the same. So we've all had an opportunity, and you more than anyone, Morley, to talk to fans over this monstrous gap. And there's been a lot of changes on a lot of rosters here, especially in the last few months. So now, usually from season to season, you know that if somebody is at the top of the heap in the Western Conference, they're probably going to be favored to win again the following year until somebody surprises. Right now... Is there a surprise team that's going to come out of the woodwork? Is there going to be one team that is going to carry over what they did two years ago and carry it over now? It seems like to me it's all up for grabs. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I could I could move the needles for you and just tell you all sorts of stuff about teams and, and how they're going to look, but I honestly don't really know. And, and how can you know? I mean, you didn't play last year. You don't know how players are going to return. You don't know how teams are going to return. You got new coaches. You got new players. You know, I mean, there's some players who have been on three teams since they last played. You know, I mean, there's players who, who signed with teams in 2020 for one year, never played for that team, and then signed with another team for 2021. So I don't know. How are the old players going to be when they, the older players be when they come back? Those guys who are, who are in those, you know, tough positions being, you know, 33, 34, 35, 
and, and closer to the end of their career than the beginning, how are they going to be with a year off? Some guys are going to be rusty. Some guys are going to be rested. Uh, and it's uh, the coach's job to figure out which guys are which in this situation moving forward. I think it's it's going to be very difficult to uh, for coaches to decide on some players. Do you, do you give the edge to the returning player because you know them, uh, but they're a year older and haven't played in a year? What's the situation going to be? So that's, that's what I think. I, I don't think there's any way you can really predict who's going to be a good team. There's guesses, you know, and I, just looking at rosters, I, I think the West is going to be very close. I, I don't know. I think Ottawa is going to have trouble in the East because um, they've lost a lot of players due to retirement and, and, and stuff and free agency over the last couple of years. So I just, uh, it's, it's hard. Like what's going on to me. I look guys at the quarterbacking situation across the league and there's a lot of teams, believe it or not, with questions at quarterback. Some are smaller than others. The Elks aren't one of those teams because they know what they have in Trevor Harris, their backup that's up for grabs and that's going to be a discussion point moving forward. But I mean, can Mike Riley come back after a bad year uh, in, with, you know, a terrible offensive line in front of him? Once he going to be like a year older, he's one of those guys who missed a year and missed a year and a bit because he got hurt late in the 2019 season. Uh, is Bo Levi Mitchell okay in Calgary? Probably, but you still want to see it to believe it. Here's one I'll throw out there. Is Cody Fajaro as good as everyone thinks he is? I mean, is he a guy who is, is he a good quarterback or is he a quarterback who had a good year? Yes. I mean, there's, you know, history is littered with guys who had good seasons and we never heard from them again. Uh, he, he sounds like a, an outstanding person and a stand-up individual, but he's got to go out and do it again this year. In know? a pressure and, cooker. I mean, let's face it. He was third on the depth chart for a reason last year when the season started, yeah. right? Yeah, and so the pressure. That, you know, that's just that's just Winnipeg. What's going on with Winnipeg? They've got a, a oh, yeah. an injury riddled quarterback, and they don't have much behind them. Uh, what's the situation going to be in Toronto with with Arbuckle? Is he as good as he was in Calgary with a team that's not nearly as good as Calgary's team? McLeod Bethel Thompson's there as well. Matt Nichols is he going to be any good without Andrew Harris? There are so many questions out there about quarterbacks. You know, some of them bigger than others, but it's got to it's got to all play out. And I think that's going to make it very very difficult for people to predict who's going to finish first or who's going to finish out of the playoffs. Well, Morley, one of the questions I have, you just listed off a bunch of players. I'm wondering with some of the changes, can James Wilder still run? He impressed me uh, when he was out East. He comes into town. How about Darrell Walker? We've seen what he can do here. Now he's back. Um is there where are the biggest question marks for you when it comes to the Elks? Biggest question mark for me is going to be at the linebacker uh, position um, because uh, you know they had Larry Dean for a year. First, uh, uh, JC Sherritt retires. Then they had Larry Dean for a year. Uh, Dean didn't return in uh, 2020 and instead signed with Hamilton. Never played in Hamilton and is now a member of the Saskatchewan Roughriders. Uh, the Elks went out and signed Justin Tuggle who was in Hamilton, and he never played for Edmonton, and, and I don't even know if he's signed with anybody as of now. Uh, then the Ox went out and signed Kevin Brown, uh, a linebacker out of uh, Ottawa, who they believe has the potential to be a middle linebacker and be a starter at that position. So that has to be uh, sorted out. Vontae Diggs, you know, can play. Do you put him uh, at the will linebacker spot, or do you move him into the middle if Brown falters? And I think that's the biggest uh, spot that where the Ox will pay attention to, and, and, and it's a toughest spot to try and figure out who's going to play where the defensive backfield has been remixed and the only real question mark for me back there is how are they going to work 
with the uh, retirement of Forrest Hightower. Um, he retired last week and, and will not be back. We never really got a chance to see him play because he was injured for a lot of his time in Edmonton, but they got to find someone to replace him. He was penciled in as a starter for this year, and they got to find someone to replace him. They've added to their defensive backfield uh, Jonathan Rose, Jonathan Mincy. Uh, they've brought back Aaron Grimes. So they've got some personnel there, but they got to figure out where they're all going to play and how they're going to mesh together. But overall, for me, the biggest question mark is going to be at that linebacker spot right across the board. League-wise, we went through this big gap, and through the vast majority of it, there wasn't much being said by the Canadian Football League and Randy Ambrosi. And then over the last six months, we've had to endure the XFL, CFL stuff, which I'm not convinced is dead, and that's fine. Uh, talk is good as far as I'm concerned. I would rather there have been chatter. I didn't like the one year where we didn't really hear anything from the league, but I think that this chatter that we went through the last six months with the XFL and the Rock and all that kind of thing, I think that that probably did more good for the league than bad. Do you see it that way? I, I, I didn't do anything. I think it got a lot of people upset more than anything else. I think a lot of people were, were happy that the league's doing something to try and solve their problems, which is good. Yeah. But I think we keep, you know, we don't know what they're talking about. And I, that's where I'm kind of upset at the Canadian Football League through this process is they didn't keep, they didn't, they weren't, they they weren't very clear about what they were doing with the XFL, whether they're talking just business operations, whether they're talking just, you know, we're swapping plans, whether it's going to be a full-blown merger. And then the concern for me is, is it a merger or is it a takeover? Right. And if it's a takeover, you know, it's not a CFL takeover, right? It's an XFL takeover. And then you get concerned about, you know, where are the goalposts going to go? How big is the field going to be? How many downs are we going to have? And I think for a league, CFL is in a weird spot because, they have a die-hard fan base that loves this game and is giving their teams money year after year. But that fan base is getting older. Uh, they've got to get the younger fan base in, and they've got to figure out a way to keep the old fan base happy and the young fan base uh, and get the young fan base interested. And I think that's the dilemma for the Canadian Football League right now. And if they can do that through some sort of support from from the XFL. So be it. Uh, I'm all for it. As long as, it, you know, I'd like to keep it the same. I'd like to see the same rules. I'd like to see the same, you know, uh, situations as far as, you know, the field size and everything goes. But I don't know if that is possible. And and I I, I don't know what they're going to do if, if they decide to to have a merger and, and play each other. I mean, the, the XFL starts in February. Well, the CFL can't start in February. Uh, the, the XFL ends in September because they don't want to go up against the National Football League in the States and, and college football. But the CFL has traditionally gone through September and October, been some of the best months they've had. So I, I don't know. It's it, they're, they're, I'm guessing there still is a lot to hash out, and nothing can happen, it looks like, until 2023 because – uh, it, it sounds like the XFL is even going to play in 22, let alone 21. However, it'd be really foolish to also avoid the fact that The Rock has 15.2 million followers on, okay, on okay. Twitter. I know that I've heard that a thousand times, Bren. So what does that do for the Canadian Football League? If The Rock tweets out something about the CFL, what does that do for the Canadian Football League? Well, you know what? I, I think the, the biggest issue I've always had with the league is that they always lean to saying nothing as opposed to saying something. I would rather say something controversial than saying nothing. And if he yeah, just tweets I, out one or two things to 15.2 million people, 
I think that will always be a positive for the Canadian Football League. I don't see but, that ever but, being what, a negative. How does that help the CFL, though? Does, does that, oh, I'm going to go buy tickets because The Rock tweeted about it. I'm going to watch a game because well, The Rock tweeted about it. Maybe they'll watch. Right, but, Where are all those followers? Are but, they, but for the know? demographic that you are just talking that the league needs, you're going to reach at least some people through that. You can't ignore yeah. 15.2 million people. If he says, I like this, well, we've, he said that. He doesn't just like the CFL. He loves the CFL. And he has a real connection with Wally. We get that. So anytime somebody with that kind of audience is going to mention the league, I think that's great for getting a younger demographic to maybe sample again. 26-year-old at our house who just moved out isn't a huge follower of the league. The Rock tweets it. He goes, well, maybe I might have to take a look at it. I don't see it as being a bad thing. I just don't like it when the league shuts up. I don't see it as a bad thing either, but I don't see it as something that I don't think the Rock's 15 million Twitter followers can save the league. I don't, I don't think that no. is. I don't think that's as big a deal as everybody seems to make it out, right? Oh, he's got a lot of Twitter followers. He'll tweet about us. So what? What is that like? I don't understand how that's going to affect the on-field product. It's going it to. I don't won't. think it's going to sell tickets, right? So I, I don't know. If oh, that's I'm not sure. It's not going to sell frankly, tickets. As much as the Rock says he likes and loves the Canadian Football League. Quite frankly, I think he's more worried about his movie career and his vodka and everything else. And that's what disturbs me about his group uh, coming into the Canadian Football League. I think the CFL is going to be pretty low on the Rock's totem pole. Bryn, I got to tell you, I'm I'm loving this last two minutes. <laughs> Morley bringing the fire. I love it. I love it. But I just want somebody to reach out to a 25-year-old or a 35-year-old and the league has failed to do that miserably. And I'm hoping that through all of this 18 months we've gone through, that we can take some positives out of this whole chit-chat between the XFL and the CFL. I just hope it feeds the fire like your fire's burning today. I love it. I think it's great. I don't see it as a being a bad thing. Some people think it's a bad thing. I don't see it that way. Brent, it, it can be a very good thing for the Canadian Football League as long as they don't lose their identity through this whole Correct. process. Correct, and, and I'm with you on that. concerns me the most is that I don't want it to be the XFL Canada, and I don't want it to be that kind of a league, and I don't want that kind of approach. And, and again, the XFL, and not just the XFL, but no football league in the United States has survived except for the, the NFL one. and college football. Yeah. And you have to – if if the the American part of any kind of a merger fails, that means the Canadian part is going to fail. And then maybe the CFL team is going to have to start all over again in three years. I I, I don't know. There's too many questions and not enough answers right now. There's too much talking about talking, if you know what I'm saying. You know, that's on the, that's on the money, Morley, I'll tell you. And Bryn, you'll remember this. And so, and so will Morley. It's not a negative to have social media. It's not a negative to have a guy with that many followers. But let's not forget, do you remember the Facebook group that Craig McTavish must go? Uh, He needed to be fired. And 22,000 people signed up for it. And we figured, oh, man, we got to go outside the arena or bring city reporters in. The eight city reporters that showed up for the McTavish must go rally outnumbered the number of rally goers there. So negative, no, but real difference making numbers. I'm not so sure either to me, Morley, tell me if I'm right or wrong, the CFL as an entity, 
the office, the league, the marketing and the media relations people, they have to do a better job getting a message across. And that includes to the young people. That's where the growth is. What do you say? Absolutely. Uh, they have to get the young people coming to games. They have to get the young people watching games. Maybe, uh, what is it, C218, the bill, maybe that's going to help. Maybe the single game betting thing is going to help and it's going to get the younger people in. It's going to get more people watching and, and being interested in, in the games because they can put money on a game now, which they couldn't do before. That's not going to happen until at least midway through the season from, from what I understand. So maybe that's part of it. But as I said earlier, that's the dilemma that the CFL has. They've got to keep the old crew happy and get the new crew excited. And how do you do that? Because if you play that loud music at the stadiums, the old guys aren't going to like it. And if you play the old music at the stadium, the young guys aren't going to like it. And that's just just one example. And I know uh, the Oilers went through that at the hockey rink too. You know, uh, older fans complained about the rock music and the loud rock music being played. You know, in the pregame warmup and stuff like that. It's it's hard if not impossible, to make everybody happy. And the CFL has to find out a way to keep their old fans happy and get the interest of the young fans. I don't disagree. I think you're absolutely right. And being around the Oilers at a time when the volume of the music on the, on the uh, pregame warm-up was uh, at a monstrous level, it was hard to tell older folks to uh, just go grab a hot dog and a beer underneath at the concourse at the Coliseum. It was hard to tell people that. But conversely, you've got to do what you got to do to continually grow. The, the, See, the You have to worry about growing. The old folks is, like and me you and you are going to come anyway. You have to approach that in many different ways. It's not just music anymore. Now, if, if, the, young, if the young people don't have Wi-Fi at a stadium, they're, they want to be on their phones. So yeah. if you, you can't help them on their phones and give them something on their phones – then they're not going to be interested. Uh, ironically, you have to make them disinterested in the game to look at their phones to keep them happy at the game, right? And that's why, you know, I, I think the Elks did a good job in 2019 or 2018 when they brought those end zone sections in where there's no seats, there's just a table and you stand there, you play on your phone, you drink your beer, you, uh, you have fun with people. Uh, I think that was a good step forward. And I think that we're going to see more and more of that. I know I've, I've when I've, Back in the old days, guys, when we used to travel places, uh, I've been to places, and that's a big deal now. You don't need seats. You need a gathering place at every stadium, it seems. You need yeah. a place where a guy can put his beer down and play with his phone and maybe charge it. Uh, if it's between innings, between sets, at halftime, between periods, whatever it is, it looks like in the future you're going to have to have those gathering areas to keep people happy. And the Elks did it, uh, you know, in 2018, I think. That was one of Len Rhodes' uh, things that he kicked off in 2018. And, and it's going to be a big part of, of moving forward. Uh, you know, get the Wi-Fi in there. Get a place for people to stand and talk and still be able to watch the game but still be able to converse with each other and, and decide where they're going after the game. And what a pleasure it was to watch the rollout of the new name, which grabbed a younger demographic who I was concerned and worried about how are they going to do this. They did a great job, and the response not only in Edmonton but across the country to the Elks name has been, I think, a huge, huge positive story. Don't you see it the same way? Absolutely. I think they did a tremendous job at it. They took they took their time. They didn't rush into anything. Uh, they did their research. They made sure they had the right logo. They made sure they had uh, the right part of history remains, you know, the green and gold stays, the double E logo is still around. It, it's not the primary logo, but it's still around. You're still going to see it. Uh, and, and they rolled it out perfectly in a pandemic. 
which is, you know, think about that as well. They, they had a, a news conference to, uh, to announce their new logo and their new name and their new uniform and, and couldn't have anybody wearing the uniform. All they could do is show a video. Uh, and, I, and I think that's, uh, you got to give all sorts of credit to the marketing department and the communications people with the Alps because they, they handle it to a T and it was a huge success. And then the merchandise just started to sell so quickly. I mean, it was snapped up. Uh, I think they were kind of surprised with how quickly the merchandise got snapped up. Uh, the, the phrase we heard was that uh, they sold as much in a week as they would normally sell at three home games with 35,000 people there. So obviously it was a huge success. People seemed to really like the, the logo um, in various forms and they liked the, the antlers on the helmet. Uh, there's a lot to look forward to, I, I think, merchandise wise and, and again you got the double e which is iconic but you can't really do a lot with the double e now you got the antlers right and you can you can have you know the antler the foam antlers on your head you can do elk calls you can do all sorts of different things that you couldn't do with uh the old name and the old logo now i've got to ask and it's not even my i think it was jason strudwick who first came up with it are we going to see show us your rack t-shirts? I think that would be brilliant marketing. <laughs> I've actually seen them already. I, I've seen somebody's I've seen on Twitter. They've already been printed up. I've also seen a guy I know who is uh, who's a huge beer fan and, and he's already got a glass with the, with the antlers on it. And it says I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, and there you go. You, you couldn't do stuff like that. And, and it's not obviously team sanctioned material, but, it's out there and it generates a little bit of a buzz. We're talking about it, right? That's I think that's the main thing, but yeah, show me your rack has, uh, has been out there for a t-shirt, I think for, for a couple of weeks now. So voice of the Edmonton Elks on six thirty, Chad Morley, Scott joining us on the outsiders powered by the Macintosh group at Remax river city. Want to change gears a little bit? Cause we're kind of running tight on time. I'd like to get your thoughts. You've been watching the playoffs, the NHL playoffs, right? Yeah, for the most part. I was away last week, so I didn't see I, – I saw bits and pieces of the games, but I saw enough of them, and, and, and I've been wrong about Montreal all playoffs long. Yeah. And I'll, I don't know if I'll be wrong about them tonight, but I don't see them winning in, in game four tonight. They, they uh, just look – and while you, were, just, while you were hiking in the mountains, Morley, they look like they've just finally run out of gas. I mean, they, they yeah. did what they could to get to where they are, and congratulations to them. Tampa is a fabulous hockey club, and they've just taken it to them. So there's no embarrassment there, but uh, just a great season for the Habs, don't you think? Oh, well, a great playoff season. I mean, they had a great start. And Almost backed in. They were miserable until they fired the coach. They were awful for a while, and then then they had the, the COVID bug hit them and shut them down. for. Uh, they had, I think they had two times they were shut down with, with COVID and missed some time and had to do a bunch of makeup games at the end of the year. Um, but to, to do what they did to Winnipeg was just, you know, I, I didn't think they had a chance against Winnipeg. And to sweep them was just incredible, you know. But then again, I didn't think Winnipeg had a chance against Edmonton. So uh, I, I, I've been wrong all these playoffs, but I'm pretty confident that this series is going to end in four or five now, probably four. Yeah, I tell you, Morley, I was over with the Habs too. I couldn't pick them right, no matter how, how I tried. To me, um, you know, and again, the series is likely over by the time a lot of people hear this. To me, though, when we talk about Montreal and the Stanley Cup uh, final, isn't the real story truly the uh, the Barbie barn? Oh, that might be one of the biggest losses of the pandemic. The Barbie barn had to shut down. 
which is uh, just awful. I know. I will. Uh, I, I, let's have a moment of silence right uh, now. I just, uh, yeah, I just it took my breath away when you mentioned it, Robin. There, there is still one in Montreal, but it's it's on the outskirts, and it's it's probably more of a more more money in a cab ride than it is to get the. So the, who of the, the three maybe of us the is the best chicken and ribs in Canada? I was just going to say one of the three of us has got to break it down because some people maybe have never heard of it before. But if you've never heard of it before, you haven't been doing your homework on the city of Montreal. It is uh, just an old, old building. It's three stories. It's all wood and all grease-stained wood. Uh, and it is the official meeting place for most media people when they go to Montreal. All those fancy restaurants in Montreal. And first thing I want to do when I get off a plane is go to the Barbie barn for a jumbo combo with apple pie a la mode when it's all said and done. Mm. Uh, chicken and ribs. The ribs are like candy. They taste so good. The chicken is fantastic. It's more food than one person should should really eat at a meal, but we do it. Um, and it, the the best part is the decor. There's there's all sorts of uh, all sorts of pictures of old great Canadians and Expos players all over the walls in there. Um, I particularly love watching looking at the Expos pictures. And then everybody takes their business card and sticks it in a crack somewhere yeah. in the wall. And so there's just thousands of business cards all over the place in the in that uh, restaurant as well. It's just it's a it's a historic building. And I will tell you honestly, I shed a tear the day I heard it was shutting down. Uh, it's know, one of those you know, things. If only I knew when I went there for the last time, uh, I was yeah. going there for the last time. You know, Morley, things change. Um, you were always a champion of the Barbie barn. And of course, we took some of those uh, gastronomic battles elsewhere <laughs> around that. El Vagabundo in New York closed as well. Oh, really? Sadly. Yeah. Yes, it's it's gone. But there's a picture that you took of me. It was funny. We got the I got a the full rack in front of me with a plate, and I'm staring into the camera, and I'm doing like the glove dangle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I remember it well. What a and you, what, and you what punched me silly that night, as I recall as well. Yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah the uh, El Vagabondo was a great place too. Uh, I I do the 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 first game I ever hockey game I ever did on the road. I believe was in Montreal, uh, a preseason game. And uh, all the way there, Rod Phillips and Jim Matheson are telling me about the Barbie Barn. And uh, we went to the Barbie Barn that night, and it lived it very seldom new places that get talked about like this live up to the expectations, but it did that night. It's, it was a, it's a tremendous place. It's a landmark for people in Montreal. Uh, if you grew up there, you don't go there anymore because you're probably tired of it. It's like a lot of people in Edmonton, right? They don't go to West Edmonton Mall because it's too busy, right? Um, but yeah, it's a, a historic place and it'll be sad not to go there, but, but they still have smoked meat sandwiches. So I'll be okay. Yeah. The other thing too, and you bringing up this, uh, this first preseason game you went to in Montreal at the forum. So you had to have had a hot dog. Shenshode. Way. Yeah. Unbelievable. With, the, uh, with those, with those buns that are oh, just toasted. I don't know how they make them. They're, they're strangely cut buns. It's like the heel of the loaf of bread cut into a bun shape. Right. And it's just spectacular grilled of course, and not boiled. And yeah, yeah. Uh, nothing like it. Uh, the, that's the phrase you got to learn when you're at the forum. You go to the media desk uh, in the media lounge. You just look the guy straight in the eye and go, "Do and show, s'il vous plaît." Yes, and, and the other two at the Colisée in Quebec. And then in the second you say, "Do and show, s'il vous plaît." And Colisée in Quebec City was also fantastic. It had to be a Quebec thing. Yeah, 
<laughs> they were, they, the hot dogs and everything's everything's good in Quebec, right? Yeah. Because stuff, most people in Quebec, that, they, they just put butter on everything and they eat it while they're holding a cigarette for some reason. I don't understand it. I'm, I'm, sho- I'm shocked that three media guys would end up talking, talking about, about food. Food. <laughs> I'm not. Wow. Hey, on the Oilers front too, lots going on here in the next little while. All these Duncan Keith rumors have been floating around. Ryan Nugent Hopkins signs an eight-year deal. Thoughts on any of that stuff as well? Well, I... Duncan Keith could be a good ad, uh, but I mean, would you take him over Tyson Berry and let let Tyson Berry walk? I mean, you got to, and how much does he have left in the tank? That's the biggest question. How that's the thing that GMs have to weigh all the time when they make trades for older players. That guy is a lot of mileage on him. I mean, they went to uh, what they went three cups went to the finals a lot, uh, played a lot of hockey over the last 10 years. And uh, you got to wonder how much mileage is left there. Those, those, thoroughbreds sometimes surprise you and and continue to play very well so we'll see how it pans out but what a busy offseason and a condensed offseason it's going to be with the expansion draft then you know the entry draft and then free agency all um in july uh, to get ready for a september training camp when the nhl tries to get back on their normal schedule after what we've gone through for the last two seasons so yeah there's lots of work to be done um, the owners have to make some decisions you know they got they got to figure out about their goaltending situation too uh mike smith's earned a big raise but he's also going to be 42 right or 41 or whatever it, whatever the case is and how how much longer can he keep going and the assignment for more than one year? You know, there's there's a lot of decisions that Ken Holland's got to make, and they're not easy ones. Thanks for your time. We know you got stuff to do, and you're going to have a lot of stuff to do here in, in a couple of weeks. So that's great, and uh, it, it, long overdue to have you on again. So uh, this has been fun. Con- congratulations yeah, on surviving. Just, uh, you got my number, so uh, just give me a shout. We will. Hey, before you go, somebody next time somebody cancels, you just give me a shout. No, that's not the way this works. Hey, before you go, though, tell everybody about your podcast, because, yeah, we are all about uh, spreading that word. Tell everybody. Yeah, it's called The E-Pod, and uh, it's available wherever you get your ear candy, or you can go to CuriousCast.ca as well. Uh, most recent one, is, uh, which will be coming out soon, is with Eddie Steele. Uh, before that, we uh, had a long conversation with Ryan King, the retired long snapper uh, from the Edmonton Elks, and there's all sorts of great stuff in there uh, going back the last couple of years. Most of it is, uh, is undated, so you can enjoy it uh, now as much as you enjoyed it back then so uh the epod wherever you get your ear candy thanks for the plug guys no problem and uh keep busy at 6 30 chat thanks for your time today thanks guys appreciate it The Outsiders is brought to you by the Macintosh Group at Remax River City. Man, 66 podcasts. Where's the time gone? You know, it's funny. I was chatting with Brent just the other day, and we were talking about how here we are in the month of July, and as expected, things are starting to slow down a little bit on the real estate front in the Metro Edmonton area, but it's still a great time to trade your current home for a larger one. And uh, maybe perhaps you find that the household is feeling a little small, with your current roster, your family roster, I guess I could put it that way. Well, the team at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City can assist you 
with the sale of your pick and the purchase of your next superstar. All you have to do is give them a call, 780-464-0075. Once again, that's 780-464-0075, or you can check them out at macintoshgroup.ca. Start the process. I'm losing my voice. Start the process with a complimentary evaluation of your current home. No obligation, no deadline for that offer, but just don't let the market pass you by if you're seriously thinking about buying or selling. Both buyers and sellers can contact the Macintosh Group once again directly at 780-464-0075 and tell them that the outsider sent you. I feel kind of bad because I felt I got Morley all worked up over the rock. Should I feel bad about that? No, I don't think so. It worked fine for me. Yeah. He brought it as he always does. It was great. And he's passionate and he's ready to go for the Edmonton Elks. I didn't say the other name. I said it once. That's pretty good. Over like 47 Mm -hmm. minutes to only say it once and it was me. What can I tell you? Man. So you really believe Tampa's going to have this baby wrapped up by the time this airs for most people? I think so. It's 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 done, and uh, that's fine. It was a nice story. We had the uh, four seed, the underdog team, uh, beating the odds, at least for a while, uh, overcoming a tough season, uh, and getting there. Uh, getting there is not as good as winning it, but it's still a hell of a story. So... Uh, uh, hey, that, that, that lightning crew is not so bad. You I know. remember that. Yeah, ex- especially when you bring in a guy who's been off all season and you throw him right into the tank in the postseason and he lights it up the way Kucherov's done. Plus, the goaltender's pretty solid as well. Okay, uh, the other thing, too, I, I, I don't think we've even talked about this. We can briefly touch on it because it's really becoming more and more prominent in my brain, and that was when the Oilers season ended. Kenny Holland says, look, the key here is – Everybody wants to win the Stanley Cup. That's a given. But the goal, really, of this hockey club is to get to the dance. Get into the postseason and be on a be on a roll when you get in. Your goaltender's got to be great. Your bottom six have got to be fantastic and give some support and some relief to your top six guys. And I couldn't agree more with him. I think your goal's got to be to get into the postseason every single year. If you win the Cup or you get on a roll, that's great. That's bonus in, in my estimation. But... Uh, when he said it, a lot of people said, that's the dumbest thing anybody's ever said. And I thought to myself, no, it isn't. That's really what your goal should be. Look at the teams that have done the damage once they get into the into the postseason, mm-hmm. Robin. Be on a yep. roll. The 2006 Edmonton Oilers team is a classic example of that. They didn't make it until like the last two or three games of the season with all the trades and the wheeling and dealing that the general manager Kevin Lowe had done in 2006. Then they got on a roll. Their bottom six, they were getting scoring from every single line and the defense was solid, but the goaltender was unbelievable. So I, uh, I think that that's exactly the direction the Edmonton Oilers have to be concentrating on. And that is the season. You just got to make sure that you guarantee yourself a postseason dance and then see what kind of damage you can do thereafter. Well, and, and it's a bit of a hybrid message from Ken Holland this year, Bryn, the way I've listened to things you're right. Uh, that's a big part of it. But the other thing too, and I and Holland knows this as do as do fans out there. 
obviously you have to get in. That's your baseline. He's got to make improvements now uh, to get this team over the top. He's talked about win now. Uh, and win now doesn't mean tomorrow, but that window with Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, as everybody knows, it's probably five, six, seven more years while they're under contract, while they're in their prime, Nugent Hopkins uh, signed. This is the window. You want to get to a few cups if you can. You want to win a couple if you can. But honestly, um, you don't want to go beyond the next five, six, seven years uh, without winning it because now you're talking about players beyond their prime. The time to strike is now, now being that now. length of a window. Yeah, I think the window is open now. And I think I think it's a five-year window, but I think five to seven is probably more accurate. But if you're worried about draft picks right now, I, I think right now you've got to load up. This is the time to start loading up and maybe bringing some veteran help in or whatever. It's all about winning now. Okay, yep. how can people get a hold of us? How can you tell us what you think about anything that we've said on today's podcast? You can email us at theoutsiders at shaw.ca. You can check us out on Twitter. The handle's real simple. It is at Outsiders2020. It's all caps. Pretty simple. Uh, tell your friends and also subscribe to the RSS feed. That way, on any of your favorite ear candy sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Deezer, etc., you'll find us. But more importantly, uh, we, we really need you to retweet our link to your buddies and your pals. That's the best way to get our message out. It's growing every week. We love it. We're also on YouTube. So, uh, so thank you for that. But your support is greatly appreciated. And uh, we're also now starting to talk to potential advertising partners, which really tells me one thing, and that it tells me that our longevity, uh, the fact we've been doing this now, Robin, for a year and a half is great. And we're starting to finally move the needle a little bit. So uh, we love sponsors, and we're trying to come up with some neat ideas for features, and we're working on that already. But we're, it's getting bigger and better with everybody's support. So thanks very much for that. That's it. Anything to add before we disappear? No, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm just going to go now and think about the demise of the Barbie barn. I don't want to end the show on a sad note like that. <laughs> That's it. That's it for another episode of The Outsiders. Did I just turn into Ed Whalen? I think so. I just turned into Ed Whalen the way I was signing this baby off. Robin, talk to you next week. You shall. Bye, bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. <laughs>